You're listening to Meeting Pod, the podcast powered by Meeting Place, the premier magazine and news source for the meat and poultry processing industry, and Alt Meat Magazine, the only business information resource for the exploding alternative meat industry. Support for this podcast comes from Lindy. Welcome to Meeting Pod. This week, we're opening up the vault to revisit a discussion that focuses on animal welfare audits in addition to biosecurity and professional development in the meat and poultry industry. The session features Maggie Smith, founder and owner of Viand Group, a Tennessee-based consulting company specializing in food safety and animal welfare. The interview was conducted by Julie Larson Britcher, former technology editor at Meeting Place and founding host of Meeting Pod. Hi, I'm Julie Larson Brisher, Science and Technology Editor for Meeting Place Magazine. Welcome to Episode 61 of Meeting Pod, where we're talking animal welfare audits, biosecurity, and professional development with Maggie Smith, founder and owner of Viand Group, a Tennessee-based consulting company specializing in food safety and animal welfare. Maggie and her team are engaged in production and processing auditing, training, and consulting for a wide range of animal and food products across a number of areas, ranging from animal welfare to HACCP, food safety, root cause analysis, and food defense. Now, many of our listeners will likely know Maggie through all manner of professional activities, whether it's from her work on the North American Meat Institute or Cisco Animal Welfare Committees, or her service in different capacities on committees for academic institutions, global restaurants, grocers, and protein companies. Maggie is also affiliated with the American Society of Quality, Institute of Food Technologists, and the Women's Meat Industry Network, among other professional industry organizations. And she holds numerous certifications, including a PACO Foundation Auditor, ASQ Certified Quality and Certified HACCP Auditor, and BRCGS Approved Training Partner, to name a few. She's also a FISMA Preventive Controls Qualified Individual for Human and Animal Feed, Processing Authority, and Retort Operator. Maggie also works with Mississippi State University, which is reviving its poultry processing plant, with the Middle Tennessee State University, which has included a food safety concentration in their degree program, and also with Tennessee Technological University, where she is assisting with building their poultry program. And among her most recent awards, in 2018, Maggie was awarded the BRCGS Auditor of the Year for the Americas. And in 2020, she was awarded the Outstanding Alumni Service Award from the Tennessee Technological University Alumni Association. Welcome to Meeting Pod, Maggie. It's really a pleasure to have you as a guest on the podcast today. Thank you, Julie. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be nice to just sit and chat poultry with you for a bit. Yeah, it's always a nice afternoon when you get the chance to do that with an expert such as yourself. So I'm going to dive right in and just ask you, how did you get started in a career in meat and poultry? And what do you like best about working in food and agriculture? Well, I tell people, Julie, that I didn't know anything else. I come from a long line, several generations of farmers, grandparents, and even before grandparents, and my parents farmed. And my sister and I grew up on a diversified farming operation. And I guess before it was even cool, so to say, my parents were very gender blind. It did not matter 
who you were, what you were. If there was feeding to be done, hay to be hauled, barns to clean out, vaccination, tilling, harvesting, whatever it was, we did it. And so I really didn't know any difference. And in fact, my sister and I both have degrees in agriculture. That's how ingrained we were. During undergraduate school, I took a class that was meats. It was a meats class and everything clicked. It was right there. It was like, this is it. This is where I'm supposed to be. So that started my growth into learning more about the meat industry, obtaining my master's, and then working in research and development for a while before I moved over to food safety and quality assurance. I could talk about a number of topics with you, Maggie, today. Mm -hmm. And in fact, I know you can also talk about animal welfare programs and audits with regard to all species, but let's focus on poultry today. When you're out in the field conducting welfare audits, what do you find are the biggest challenge areas that you identify for producers and processors? And does anything surprise you anymore? One of the things I like about going out and and meeting the farmers and going to the processing plants and being in the business is meeting people. I read a saying one time that said, friends are just strangers I've never met. That's how I look at it. But when I go out to the farms. You know, farmers have always cared for their animals, but I like to use or paraphrase a Maya Angelou quote that said, I knew what I needed to do, but now that I know better, I do better. And so with the growth of animal welfare, one of the things that I see is that all in all, farmers are doing a great job, but as they and the industry has learned more about animal welfare, we've done better. One of the things I like to do, even though it's outside the scope of the audit, is I like to sit back and observe places within the process that I feel could be misconstrued. As they say, perception is reality. And let's face it, there's no pretty way to catch a bird when you're out in the barns. So I'm always looking at that, seeing how it could be perceived, say, from an activist point of view or from someone who's not in the food and agriculture industry. I do the same thing at the hatchery. I like at the chick counter, the back of my hand, I let the chicks touch the back of my hand so that I know that it is the velocity of the birds or the chicks rather touching my hand is not harmful to them, that it really is just a gentle fall for them. The other things about surprising me, I just have to laugh. It's honestly the questions from the non-ag people checking out in a department store. And it was actually asked by the cashier, is it true that the birds grown for KFC don't have heads? And I actually just kind of start, stopped for a minute and said, well, I'm not sure how they would feed them if they didn't have heads. So it's just, it's more people away from the industry that surprise me more than the the farmers, the hatchery personnel, or even the processing plant. Because the processing plant, they can take people who are unknown to the industry and they learn so much in such a short time. Right. I mean, I know you've probably been to like thousands of meat and poultry plants, you know, doing animal welfare audits. Well, another kind of audits, I know you do a lot, but do you have any, like, say, top tips for 
producers and processors about having a good audit experience? Right. Well, you know, within the processing plant, one of the things that nobody can control is the uniformity of the birds. Sometimes the birds are not all the same size, so it's hard to run those. But one of the things I say is just be relaxed. The audit is not an I gotcha. We're not there to find something wrong. We are there to look at the past and the present to predict the future. We're there on behalf of a customer. The second thing I would say is, is don't try to hide anything. Just openly communicate. With open communication, if there's any issues, they can be solved in no time at all. So I, I like to say, don't hide anything because we know if you are. Be relaxed. And, you know, the thing is, if you're doing the right thing, you have nothing to be concerned about. That's really good advice. Do you find when you're going through, say, a processing plant that doing audits, like people are putting new stuff in their lines, you know what I mean? New new stuff on the processing line, new equipment or some sort of automated technology. And I'm wondering, does that affect how an auditor, what they include in the audit, I guess? Not necessarily because an auditor is to stay within the scope of the audit. If it is a new piece of equipment, then I'm going to spend more time at the plant. And that's only because of my curiosity. You know, I've had a chance to see in a hatchery a piece of equipment that's only available, or at the time it was only at that one hatchery in the U.S. The rest were overseas. In a processing plant, I've seen lighting and and different things that are new to the industry. So it's not so much that it affects the process. It affects my process to do the audit because I get curious about the new pieces of equipment and I start asking questions about those. But, you know, (laughs) the processors are so great. They're glad to see that somebody is interested in the equipment and that and hopefully other auditors want to know about that equipment and how it does affect animal welfare, how it affects processing and cuts of, of birds and such. Our conversation today continues in just a moment after a word from our sponsor, Lindy. Lindy is a proud sponsor of today's podcast. Lindy provides the food industry with liquid nitrogen and liquefied carbon dioxide gases, as well as cryogenic processing equipment under the Cryoline and AccuChill brands. Our gases provide precise temperature control in several areas on the processing floor. Cooling, chilling, and freezing of food products, whether they are raw, marinated, or cooked, helps maintain inherent product quality, moisture, taste, and appearance. Browse our dedicated food industry site at www.lindyfood.com. Now back to the podcast. Let's go to some current events. We've had this recent spread of highly pathogenic avian flu in the U.S. now, tracking in several states. Wild birds, commercial backyard flocks. Do you think that's affected the way that we're doing animal welfare audits today? And also, do you have any tips about maybe strengthening biosecurity measures, whether that's on the farm or in the processing plant? Every year during migration season, two times a year, we're always concerned about avian influenza. And sometimes we're in states that hey, we kind of wipe our brow and say we made it through it. But with avian influenza, of course, the biggest 
thing that anyone can do is limit contact to the farms. Our growers and our farmers are doing a great job with that. I think more of the issue is a lot of the backyard flocks. You know, everyone wants to grow chickens now and, and get their own eggs. They fail to think what's going to happen when those birds quit producing eggs, but that's another story in another podcast. So I think that really with the people I deal with, I don't have to worry about it. It's just making the backyard flocks understand. But the one thing I want to say is that our farmers and growers and our service techs, we all have to remember that we can be carriers. I mean, a farmer is is in his houses several times and is walking to those houses. So it behooves them to go above and beyond, even though they may have boots that they use for the farm. Wash and sanitize those boots. Take your truck or, or whatever you use on the farm through the car wash. We just can't be too careful. Yeah, that's good advice. Do you think any there's any biosecurity measures once you get to the processing plant, or is it really about on-farm preventive measures? It's more about on-farm preventive measures because yeah. when we have them coming, the birds coming into the plant, we could have actually two trailers full of birds on site at the plant that could be from two different farms. At that point it's not an issue. It's an issue on the live side, back on the farms. I feel like I might be whiplashing you around here, but you have so much experience that I know that you work a lot with young people and I know that you mentor a lot. And I'm wondering, as you mentor young professionals who are pursuing poultry processing or food safety and QA or food technology careers, you know, in meat and poultry, what's your go-to advice that you like to give? First of all, you can whiplash all you want. I can recover, hopefully, (laughs) very well. (laughs) You know, I do enjoy mentoring, and I say it's something that I didn't just fall into. I've aged into, you know, after we spend a certain time in the industry, we've kind of aged into that, that mentoring stage. And I talk to a lot of soon to be professionals that are still in university, as well as mentor those who are already in the field. And one of the things I tell them, first and foremost, is be mobile, be willing to move. Some can't move. And I understand that they may have, you know, family issues where they can't or or other things going on. And I respect that. But as a young professional, if your reason for not wanting to move is you don't want to leave home, don't waste the interviewer's time and don't waste your time. My newest and and greatest piece of advice, and I've finally found a measure or a means to convey that, that I've tried to convey for several years, is I tell them to be a crock pot, not a microwave. And what I mean by that is the corner office may be waiting on you, but probably not today. So take time to let your knowledge and the experience you're gaining meld together, and you'll be a great employee. In this age of technology, instant gratification takes too long for a lot of these young people. And they just need to slow down and just be a crock pot, not a microwave. One of the things, and I was just reading an article on this last night uh, from a PhD student talking about research and the knowledge that these students are getting, and they're not getting a lot of hands-on experience. 
So while you're in school, do your internships, which they were not available when I was in school. It was just the engineering students who did internships. Of course, being on the farm, that would have kind of been moot point. And as a student, I tell them to roll up their sleeves. I was just reading an article from a PhD candidate talking about research and their push to do research. But a lot of the day-to-day hands-on activities in their positions or when they get to those positions once they graduate, they know nothing about. So my advice is to roll up your sleeves, be ready to work. Don't wait for someone to tell you what to do. Take the initiative. And lastly, start out right away putting as much money as you can into a retirement account. I see so many who don't do that, but it will help you during the end of your career, which I know the young people aren't thinking about that right now because they're in their 20s and they're not going to age. Right. (laughs) Immortality. (laughs) Immortality. Six foot tall bulletproof. Right. Well, now along those lines, Maggie, you and I are both members of the Facebook group, the Pink Ribbon Food Safety Group that was started by our mutual colleague and friend, Mindy Brashears. And we're also part of the newly launched Women's Meat Industry Network, which has a Amazing founding board comprised of amazing women, everybody from Angie Krieger to Katie Rose McCullough and Colette Castor, Casey Owens. It's an unbelievable marquee lineup of women. But I feel like that is also a really great resource, for not just for young people, for anyone in the industry who wants to have some professional development, wants to network and maybe even troubleshoot problems. So can you talk a little bit about the benefits of these groups in terms of professional development and what's been your experience? The Pink Ribbon Facebook page, as you said, started by Mindy, is the most impressive professional page or group I've ever been a member of. We have such a diverse group of women in all realms of agriculture and food industry. For example, just this past week, we had someone who wanted to know about calibration of cooking thermometers in an oven that could not be removed, so someone would need to come to them. We had someone asking about food safety culture surveys, another one asking about metal detectable ink pens. And when I looked at those posts, they were answered or advice was given or contact information was given in a matter of hours. So the fact that we have so many women who have such a diverse amount of knowledge, one can pretty much find what information they need. You know, I've needed information on cheese. So put a question out there and no time at all, my question was answered. So from that perspective is just the amount, tremendous amount of knowledge and technology. We can ask a question and either receive a personal message or information directly on that page for people to read as well. The Women's Meat Industry Network, as you said, is just a couple of months old. And I'm so excited about the future of that. What I like about that is open to anyone, not only to women, but it's open to anyone who supports the mission of educating, development, promotion, and retention in the meat and poultry sectors. 
I am so looking forward to that. They've started off with a bang. They've already had one webinar. There's one on mentoring coming up. I've actually volunteered to be part of the the mentor committee. And this is an organization that just has a great future. I'm very excited about that. I don't want to keep you too much longer, Maggie. I know you're out on the road on the job, and but I want to thank you for sharing your expert insights with our Meeting Pod listeners today. And listeners, you can learn more about Maggie and the Vian Group's Circle of Experience Associates and the Farm to Fort Consulting, Training, and Auditing Services they provide at www.viandgroup.com. That's V-I-A-N-D group.com. And for those listeners who are interested in learning more about or joining the Women's Meat Industry Network, the acronym is WMIN. So it sounds like women, right? (laughs) So you can get the scoop at www.wmin.org and tell them Maggie and I sent you. And I also invite you to head over to meaningplace.com and access our technical article archives to get more smart manufacturing advice first published in our poultry processor and other science and technology focused newsletters. Thanks again, Maggie. It's been fun and, and a really informative chat with you today. And I'm looking forward to catching up with you at the next Women's Meat Industry Network event. Well, I appreciate it, Julie, and thank you. And you know, I had never thought that WMIN sounded like women. And I'm sorry we didn't get to meet up in January for whatever logistics crossways we got on that. But it's great to catch up with you. And likewise, I can't wait to see you in person at one of the next events. Thanks also to Lindy for sponsoring today's podcast. And thanks to all of you for joining us for Meeting Pod. Come back every Monday for more insights on the ins and outs of the meat processing industry. Be sure to subscribe to Meeting Pod on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And also follow Meeting Place and Alt Meat Magazines on social media and visit our websites, meetingplace.com and alt-meat.net. Until next time. Remember to tune in on Mondays to get the inside track on the people and the processes that drive the protein industry. Be sure to subscribe to Meeting Pod on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Follow Meeting Place and Alt Meat Magazines on social media, and be sure to visit our websites at meetingplace.com and altmeat.net. Music